each tackle box in my hand Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man But the wife, she just don't understand I love walleye, perch, trout, and bass And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me When I'm fishing Paul Bunyan country Coming up today, Tom Whitehead out of the Brainerd Lakes area makes his Fish and Paul Bunyan Country debut. And we ask the aquatic biologist about the effects of this heat on the fish. It's all coming up. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Today, we uh, get to meet another new member of the family, so to speak. Uh, Tom Whitehead is joining the show for the first time. And Tom, uh, it's always great to, to meet new people. Uh, welcome to the show. We're glad you've taken the time today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's really interesting, Tom, as I was reading up on you as best I could. Uh, you've got a, had a lot of success over the years. It just amazes me as uh, we've expanded more into the Brainerd area and, and other areas this year, and I've got to talk to more and more people. And I was used to the contingent of people I talked to up here that were excellent anglers, but this state has a lot of really, really good anglers. Oh, yeah. It, it's, you know, we kind of take it for granted here in this state, but several years ago, uh, one of the lenders, I think it was Al, said you could probably take the average fisherman out of the state of Minnesota, put him in a southern state, and they'd be one of the top anglers in that state. And uh, you're starting to see it now with the kids, with the high school tournaments. Uh, these yeah. kids are going down south to some of these uh, tournaments and, and even the college teams and doing very, very well. Well, Tom, I, you know, I've been looking at a, a number of people, and I've talked to a number of people, Minnesota guys and Canadian guys, who are going down in the Bassmasters Elite and Bassmasters Opens and, and having a lot of success. And I guess I, I consider that uh, our revenge for them uh, having all those southern hockey teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we just got we just just had the Bassmaster tournament just this last weekend, and I think Seth Fighter was fourth, and Austin Felix was fifth, I believe. You know, two Minnesota boys right there. Yeah, yeah. And I just talked to Austin before he went. He was the rookie of the year last year. So, ah, it's uh, it's great for the for the North Star State. That's for sure. Right. Yes, it is. Well, Tom, I know you did a lot of guiding in the Brainerd Lakes area over the years, and you've been a tournament fisherman yourself, 42 years of bass tournament fishing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, you know, I, I started out a young young kid. I you know, grew up on a farm town in southern Minnesota. Didn't have a lot of opportunities as far as bodies of water, but, you know, I fished every minute I could. We had a couple lakes down there and, and a few small rivers, and I just took to it. I mean, it was something that I, I ended up just, it was a passion I just lived for. Uh, fortunately I had a couple of uncles that fished quite a bit that would take me every chance they could. Um, you know, I kind of grew from there. I, I went to vocational school in Brainerd and I, I knew I always wanted to end up back here. And fortunately I, I met a gal who's, who's my wife now, 35 years, 36 years, excuse me. And she wanted to come up here also. So we, we've made our life up here. Um, back in the mid eighties, Marv Kep took a chance on me and, and hired me to be one of the, the Nisswa guides leagues guides. I, I worked for him for six years, full time, learned a ton, um, and enjoyed every minute of it, you know, but, um, I've been in the outdoor industry for a long time, back and forth sales. And, um, you know, I just, it just went from there, but the tournament thing stuck with me probably, I think 1980, I started with my per first bass club in Mankato. 1987, I believe I fished my first money tournament on Gull Lake, and uh, they paid down 12 places. We took the 12th place check and was hooked, you know, by the bug from there. 
But uh, things have changed. It's gotten more competitive in this state. Some of it is due to the technology. A lot of it is due just to the good fishermen that we have. Um, you know, the high school teams, these kids are getting a lot of experience before they're even, you know, 18 years old. So um, it's getting tougher for old guys like me to, to, <laughs> to win. But uh, I'm still after them. Good for you. Good for you. You know, the thing that's, uh, that's interesting about, you know, uh, tournament fishing and and then you were a guide as well. It's two different mindsets. When you're a guide, you just got to get bites. When you're uh, tournament fishing, bites aren't enough. It's got to be the right bites. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's you know, I I kind of go back to I had a conversation with a gentleman years ago, and he wasn't real real pro tournament. You know, he said you guys race around the lake 100 miles an hour and this and this and this. And I and I knew he was a hunter, and I said, well, you hunt, right? Yeah. I said, do you shoot trap? Yep. I said, do you shoot wild pheasants? Yes. And I said, why do you shoot trap? He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you don't eat the clay pigeons. You don't, you're just breaking, you're wasting shells. And he says, but it's not the same. And I said, exactly. I said, when I fish a tournament, I'm a whole different person, different mindset. It's eight hours of adrenaline, you know, trying to figure out what the fish are doing that day. Uh, a day later, I may be standing waist deep in the water catching sunfish with, with the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fishing is, is a passion of mine, but there's different elements to it. You know, standing in a trout stream with a with a little fly rod, um, the next day you're fishing big pike, you know, with heavy tackle or muskies, and, and I do it all. And every aspect of it is, is different. It's a, it's a different – each one is a different sport to me. They, well, it really is. I mean, you know, when you're going for walleyes, it's a finesse. It's a – you know, when you're going for bass, it's just – it's aggressive action. It's uh, – yeah, different uh, different aspects, and you know it's rare to find the guy who just loves them all. But you you seem to be that person. Yeah, I mean, I, I and it took a while to get there. I guess <laughs> you know, um, I, I enjoy the time on the water as much in in a kayak with my wife. You know, we're paddling around catching whatever we can um, as much as I do being in my my bass boat. You know, doing seventy miles an hour across the lake, fishing for eight hours in a, in a high adrenaline tournament. It, like I said, it's a, it's a whole different aspect of fishing. You know, I tie my own flies. I, I do a lot of uh, that kind of stuff. And it, I, I guess I like all of it. You know, I, I, if I had to pick one, I don't know if I could do it. You know, it's I, fishing with bobbers, fishing with live bait, fishing with artificials. It's just I love every, every part of it, you know, every different aspect. You know, um, and it's usually something that uh, gets in your blood very early in life. I'm assuming that's the case with you. Yeah, I think we've got some old pictures floating around of me standing with about a 14-pound northern when I was about four or five years old. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about it. I'm sure I had quite a bit of help. But, but yeah, you know, I had a couple of grandfathers that were, were fishermen and outdoorsmen, and my sisters were older than me, so that was kind of my daycare. And um, spent a lot of time outdoors with them, and it just stuck. You know, it was something that I just, I mean, uh, I always remember as a kid going on vacation up north and going back home, and I just about cried every time we had to leave, you know, wherever we're at, whatever resort it was, whatever lake we're on. Um, I love growing up in the farm country, don't get me wrong, but I just there was something about the north country that just drew me back every time. Well, Tom, you, uh, you, you've done a lot of bass fishing. You've done a lot of bass tournament action. I'm assuming you've done some, some of this stuff outside of the state of Minnesota? Well, I, not a whole lot. You know, I, I, a little bit in Wisconsin, a little bit in Iowa. Um, the older I get, the more I pretty much stick to the local regional mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, don't travel too far anymore. We, uh, you know, we fish some fundraiser tournaments, which I'm getting to be more and more 
uh, leaning towards that. Uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital fundraiser every year down on the Mississippi River. Uh, I do a lot of work with veterans organizations, getting veterans involved back in the outdoors. And recently I was brought onto the board of the Student Angler Tournament Trail, so I work, get to work with the high school teams. Oh. Uh, as I get older, I think I'm kind of stepping back a little bit more and more from the tournaments and moving more towards the, the volunteer work, which I really enjoy. Cool. I, I think the, one of the things you, you mentioned, the students, I think that that has been a, a huge boon for the industry and for the future, and certainly Brainerd. I mean, uh, you got, what, 100 and some kids on that team, and uh, and it's just uh, it's just getting guys primed to be anglers for the rest of their lives. It's great news. Oh, right. I mean, we'll, we'll have one of the high school tournaments. We've got one coming up this Sunday on uh, the Whitefish team, and we have to cut the tournaments off usually at 200 kids, and there's a waiting list. Wow. So it's just it continues to grow, and uh, these kids are good. I mean, they're, they're they're with this opportunity. It it's like any other sport. When you have more opportunity to be out there on the golf course or on the baseball field, or whatever, the more you're you're going to excel at it. Um, I, I say, if it was something that was going on when I was in school, you know, if they had these programs, I would have paid a little more attention to my grades, I guess. <laughs> I was a kid that sat there staring out the window going, man, I know there's pheasants out there in that swamp. I could see the cornfields and like, man, you know, it's, I could be duck hunting or pheasant hunting or, you know, fishing and I'm sitting in this classroom, but you know, it, it worked out all right, I guess. I, I don't know how many guys I've talked to that, uh, you know, like Jace Peterson, who just, just missed it having, you know, high school fishing and, and older guys saying, Man, I really wish we'd have had that when I was in high school. Well, what a great thing that yeah. would have been. Right. And then along with the trap shooting, you know, it's just it's fantastic that the schools have embraced this, you know, and and, and really allowed it to happen. So, well, you know, you're in Minnesota. <laughs> it's right, just right. a natural. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Other states probably not so much, but yeah, we're very fortunate here. Um, so, um, one of the things about bass fishing here and what, and what I've heard from the guys who've done a lot of bass fishing in some of these tournaments, you know, uh, on the Bassmaster circuit and the FLW circuit is that, yeah, because we are so far north, the bass, you know, don't get as big here, but by gosh, they are uh, far more aggressive here than those bass in other, in other states. Uh, and I think a lot of people, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, back in my guiding days, I used to get get a lot of people from the southern states, and I had I had some guys out once, and the guy caught oh, it was probably a four and a half, five pound largemouth, and it just tore him up. And when he got it in the boat and took the pictures and released it, he said, "I caught an eight pounder last month, you know, at Kansas or wherever he was from." And he said, "Out of a farm pond," and he said it fought when I first set the hook, and then just gave up and came in. And you know, there's a lot of a lot of different reasons why you know low oxygen level in those farm ponds and hotter water and um you know our fish up here are just are wild all year long they don't seem to change you know as as the water warms up or anything but uh yeah very very lucky we'd have we'd, we'd have you know 50 to 100 fish days up here fishing and guys down there would say they fish all day for five or six bites right so right. we're kind of we're kind of spoiled up here we are, you know, and, and the thing is, um, up here, you know, um, we're well known for our walleye lakes, and there's a lot of them. But, I mean, if you are interested in bass or panfish, you suddenly have maybe, you know, four times more lakes to choose from. Right, and it seems to be growing, too. You know, the river systems are getting to be more, you know, there's more and more in the systems than there used to be. Years ago, 
uh, you couldn't catch catfish around Brainerd here. Now there's channel cats in the Mississippi River. There's right at the dam here in town. There's channel cats on the Pine River. Yeah, the opportunities seem to be continuing to grow. And, you know, the panfish, yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, some of the new regulations will maybe help. You know, there's kind of differing opinions on that. But um, it's doing nothing but getting better. Every every lake that we fish tournaments in that I've fished for the last 40 years, it just seems to be the fishing gets better and better. The quality of the fish seems to be getting um, better. But lakes do go in cycles. I mean, we used to see that when we guided. Um, yeah. You know, Gull Lake would be hot for a year or two, and then it would be cold for three or four years, then hot again for two years. And, and the surrounding lakes, you'd see that same cycle. But uh, all in all, yeah, fishing is right now, fishing is better than it's ever been, I think. You know, Tom, I think one of the things that I find encouraging about that is, you know, a part of the reason you could argue that fishing has gotten them a lot better is we got a lot better equipment, we've got video, we got all these things we have. But but the second part of the equation you mentioned is what's key to me, and that is the numbers are as strong as ever, and the health of the fish are as strong as ever. So it's not that we're just much better anglers and taking all those fish out. They are they're coming back too. It's not just a one way ticket here, right? And it, you know, with, along with the the equipment and the technology, I think what's kind of offset that is the education. And yeah. we're fortunate in Minnesota to have all these, you know, Northland Tackle and the Linders and, and all these great companies. And everybody's been promoting the catch and release or selective harvest is what I really like, where you don't have to keep all the big fish. You know, years ago it was, you know, keep all the big ones because you get more meat. Um, the bigger the stringer, the better. Yeah. Now people are more selective. You know, let's not keep the, the 20, 24-inch walleyes. Let's keep some 14, 15 inches if we're going to eat them. And they're more plentiful. Uh, a lot of times they're males. The same thing is true with bass and panfish. And I think that's really helped quite a bit. Just the education of our, our average fishermen in this state, what class of fish or what, you know, year, I should say not year, but, you know, uh, size of fish in a lake that should be kept and should be released. Um, you're never going to see 100% catch and release. It's just never going to happen. But selective mm-hmm. harvest is, is a fantastic option. It is. It is a fantastic option. And, and you're right. The people seem to know um you know which fish to keep which fish to put back and and one thing i've talked to a lot of dnr guys over the years and one of the things that really impresses them is just a how committed our anglers are to keeping the 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 resource good and b how smart they are how much they know very knowledgeable anglers in our in, in the state of minnesota right exactly yeah and that's and that's why i think um you know we do so well here i've, I've been to other parts of the state where you know, people keep everything they catch, and the fishery is, I mean, it dies off within two years. You know, there'll be a good bite, and then two years later, you go there, you can't hardly find a fish. And I think people in this state realize that, because they, they, we've experienced that back in the 70s, you know, and, and early 80s on some of the bodies of water. So it, it's education is a huge, huge part of our, our fishing success and also our, our conservation. Got a lot more to come with Tom Whitehead, but up next, we dragged him back in, we shined the spotlight on him. And we've been grilling Dr. Andy Hakes. It's time to ask the aquatic biologist. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. 
with over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi, Bemidji, one step further. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Ask the aquatic biologist. Dr. Andy Hafes joining me. Andy, uh, we're Minnesotans. We don't like heat. We just, uh, <laughs> most of the Minnesotans I talk to, they'd like it to be about 65 every day of the year. They'd be fine with it. Um, but we're having a really hot summer by our standards. It's not as hot as other places, but it's, it's hot. We've had a lot of 90 some degree days. Um, how does that affect fish uh, health-wise uh, and activity-wise? So like uh, we've mentioned many times on the show, it's going to affect different species vastly different. For some species, they might actually prefer the heat and do a little bit better. Uh, and then some other species are obviously not going to enjoy this at all. I can remember, you know, I've been here about nine years now, maybe uh, yeah, nine years, and one of the first years I was here, there was a really warm summer, and there was a large fish kill on Lake Bemidji, uh, and and that really stuck with me. And so we've done some, you know, looking into that in my limnology class, and you know, it really only takes a couple of degree difference there for some of these fish species to put them out of their optimum range into that lethal range. And so, you know, things like cisco and you know the suckers seem to be hit that year, and uh, you know I think if we if there's whitefish in Lake Bemidji, they would have a problem too. So some species like that, those really cool cold water species, they could really struggle uh, this coming summer if it stays this warm. I, I know that, uh, you know, a lot of muskie anglers have been choosing not to fish recently just because those those water temps are too warm and it's it puts too much strain on the fish when they're when they're battling. For sure, and I remember that study that came out of, they did a hooking mortality study on walleye in Mille Lacs, I think, and they found that if you, in those warm temperature times, you know, peak of summer, that was pretty hard on the fish, yeah. uh, especially if you're going to hold them out of the water. And there's been a lot of research that shows in warm temps that if you hold them out of the water, you know, any length of time, essentially, they really struggle, especially the walleye. So, yeah, you know, those fish that like these cooler waters, that's going to be hard on them in the peak of summer here when it's really hot and the warm water temperatures are hot, if you can catch them even. Right, right. So um, so water temp definitely affects some. Um, as you say, getting them out in the hot air and not getting them back in the water quickly. So if you're catching and releasing maybe on the really warm days and or the warm stretch of days, we're just not going to take pictures those days. We don't have time. we got to get them back in the water. Yeah, there's a really good researcher that publishes just an enormous amount of stuff on this up from Canada, and I, I want to say it was like 30 seconds, anything above really? 30 seconds, and you were really stressing that fish out. And so can you get a hook out of a, a big fish? Uh, you know, I was just fishing this past weekend and caught a big pike, and the thing twisted as soon as it got into the net, and it took me a while to get that thing out, Yeah, um, a lot longer than 30 seconds. So. Mm. You know, taking a picture and, and getting the hook out, can you do that all within 30 seconds or under? I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be catching them every day and be really, really good at it to be able to do that. We kind of touched on it a, a week or two ago. The other f- effects that can happen, and, and we're seeing it this summer, is the heat coupled with a drought. Yeah. And, and so your water levels are, are lower, and so when you're shallower water, top to bottom, it's going to be warmer. For sure, uh, the water volume, water depths, things like that, 
have a large role in the overall water temperature of that system, for sure. So, um, and and again, and we talked a little bit about the oxygen levels in the So it's just it's amazing uh, this this thing we, we we talk about it all the time. Uh, just how one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and and uh, it's so interconnected. And I we often forget how everything is so interconnected. Yeah, it, for sure. And let's just hope that this pattern that we see this year is not going to continue. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was talking with my dad while I was up camping with him, and he said like twenty years of drought can wipe out a civilization. You know, like he had seen that from the past. You know, mines <laughs> or whatever. So just think about how much our water levels dropped with this one year and if it persisted for five more. Um, it wouldn't shock me at all if, like, our local biologists that are tracking fish populations are going to be able to see this year and how it's different from the others just based upon, you know, water levels and the temperatures and, and should cascade, you know, for years here and from on this year class. Yeah. It would be really interesting to watch that. Well, you know, it's probably not healthy for the angler to be out in a 90-some degree day, you know, with the sun beating down on them anyway. So maybe it's best not to be fishing, at, uh, catching fish at that time either. It's tough when it's tough when you're on vacation and you're up here, and this is the week you're here. You know, this is the week you're here. You yeah, want to go sure. fishing. but um, I wouldn't say don't fish. You know, like, we got to be out there in the waters, and <laughs> I'm going to totally encourage that. Just be really cognizant of the fish when you do capture them and yeah. do the best you can to get them back in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, peak of summer is a great time to be out on the water and fishing. So, well, yeah, but I mean, if it's ninety some degrees, yeah, since it's just hard on me. I'm Put your toes man. in the water. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else on this topic, Andy? Oh, thank you for the questions. It's been a great year. Yes, it has. Thanks so much for your time today. Yep. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Time to check back in with Tom Whitehead of Brainerd. So tell me a little bit about Brainerd Lakes this year. How's the bite been? Well, you know, it's been kind of funny this year. I think like everywhere else. We started out, the water started warming up, and then it would go, we'd get those cold nights and it cooled back down. Um, I know the bass or the crappies, I, I was watching quite a bit. They moved up on beds at least three or four times and moved back off. And then we had those two mornings where we had, you know, 28 to 30 degrees. It was frost. Um and then it kind of went into just super hot water. I mean, we got <laughs> up into the 70s very quickly. And then we got no rain since March. So our lakes are very, very low. The weed growth is phenomenal because of that, because of the heat. Um, so it's been kind of a, a challenging year so far, I think. Um, the fish are moved out into their summer patterns now, which makes it a little easier. Uh, post-spawn was pretty tough fishing. But I think we're going to end up with a good fall. If we could just get a little bit of rain and get these lakes up a little bit and, you know, not get super cold temperatures in September and wait until, you know, late October, November, I think we're going to have a great fall. If we were going to go out fishing in the Brainerd Lakes area right now, where would you send us? What should we be fishing for and what do we need to have in the boat? Well, I could get in a lot of trouble naming lakes, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, we've got so many good ones around here. We've got the whole Gull Lake chain, Pelican Lake, North Long. It depends on what you want to fish for. And when I guided, that's the first thing we'd ask people in the morning. What do you want to fish for? All right. Then we'd, we'd check the wind direction and we'd go to the different lakes. There's, there's, you know, 400 lakes in a 30-mile radius of town here to fish, plus the rivers. So it, it just depends on what you're targeting. But I, I came from the school, you know, even when I guided, this time of year I'm looking for active fish. 
And if I'm looking for active fish, whether it's walleyes, panfish, or bass, they're going to usually be relating to the weed edges. If you can find some good, healthy cabbage weeds this time of year and get right on that edge, you know, you can vertical jig with a, a just a plain uh, fireball jig and a half a night crawler, and you're going to tear up the walleyes. If you back off a little bit in 17 to 20 feet of water and throw a jig worm up there, you're going to catch the bass. And, and same thing with a panfish. A slip bobber with a leech or a, a small panfish jig, you know, the panfish are going to be in the weeds. It provides oxygen, provides cover, and that's where most of the bait is this time of year. The walleyes that slide out into the deeper water are going to be a little more negative. They're going to be in that neutral mood. When they decide to feed, they're going to slide up on the weeds. I kind of come from the old school of I don't fish any deeper than probably 15 to, to 18 feet for walleyes this time of year. And uh, normally when you run into them, they're there for a reason. They're, they're feeding. Yeah. So it's I'd rather fish the active fish than go out and try to force fish to bite that don't really want to. Yeah, and again, as you noted, there's so many places to fish. Same thing up in our neck of the woods. There's just uh, If you were to uh, want to try a different lake a week, you still wouldn't get them all in by the time your life went into the next chapter. <laughs> no, no. I mean, my wife and I made it, made a pact where we were going to do that a few years ago. We we're going to fish a different lake like every, every couple of weeks and travel around. And we hit a couple of lakes up north, you know, around Emily outing and this and that. And then we got busy again and that kind of, you know, it's so much easier to drive within 15 minutes. I could be on probably six, eight different lakes from my house. Right. So we got a little lazy and, you know, time, you know, constraints. You kind of got to go where you can be on and off the water back home quickly and but, no, I mean, we've got so many lakes up here, and the small lakes that don't get the pressure, I mean, it's endless, and the rivers also. Wow. So yeah. don't get stuck on the big-name lakes, you know. I mean, they're all good, you know, Leech, Gull, Pelican, Winnie, Cass, they're all good lakes. But look at the maps, take a day, especially if it's windy, take a day and go off the beaten path. Hit some of those smaller lakes. I think most people would be really, really surprised what they, they drive by on the highway and never fish the lakes that they see. And a lot of people go drive by on the highway, and, uh, you know, they, they don't turn down that road and go a mile and discover a lake that they don't even get to see. Right, right. And I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. I keep getting tips from people going, hey, you ever been on this little lake? Oh, there's phenomenal smallmouth in there. I go, I didn't even know that lake existed, <laughs> let alone have smallmouth in it. So just take some time, do some exploring. You know, you, you can go back. A lot of people like that, that comfort zone of going to the same lake, fishing the same spots because they know what to look for. But it's pretty cool to go somewhere new and get on some fish that aren't highly pressured. You know, it's kind of, I, I like the challenge of it. I guess some of the best tournaments I ever fished or the funnest tournaments I ever fished, no pre-fishing allowed. You drew the name of the lake out of the hat, and you, you all had you went out fishing, and you spent the first two hours of the tournament just figuring out what the fish wanted, what they were doing. Yeah. And... Everybody was on the, on the same level playing field that way. You know, there was no guy that had more experience than the other on that body of water. It was all pretty much new to us. And uh, I learned an awful lot those couple of years fishing that circuit. As a guy who's been in the industry for a long time or, or was in the industry for a long time, any new product out there right now that you're really in, into and uh, really interested in? Well, all of the new rumble baits from Northland, the new wooden baits are uh, they're fantastic. The finish, the quality of the baits, I, I'm just blown away by them. Um, I just got a, a text this morning, being that I'm on their pro staff. I got to get a glimpse of the new products that are coming out. I can't talk about them. <laughs> um, I can't, iCast is coming up here shortly, and they'll be unveiled at, at the iCast show. But there's some really, really, really beautiful stuff coming out. 
And um, it's great to see that we can have ICAST again. We can have the ice fishing shows coming up mm-hmm. um, so people can actually get in there and talk. I, that's the biggest part I miss is actually, you know, talking to people at the shows. And uh, it looks like we're going to be back full, full force this year with all the sports shows. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out. Some of the companies um, that I deal with are basically just trying to keep up. Uh, sales have been through the roof. Uh, since the COVID thing started. Mm-hmm. And it, there's more participation in fishing now than there has been in a long, long time. So they're just trying to keep up with the products that they already have out there. You're going to see a lot of these companies putting stuff out early, I think. Uh, they they ordered heavy, so they've got a lot of product going. But the new stuff, yeah, it's, there's some pretty cool things out there. I just I wish I could tell you about them, but <laughs> we'll have to wait a couple weeks here. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I, I don't want to get Northland mad at me, that's for sure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Hey, uh, and as a guy who has been in in the uh, business and and uh, has been an angler for so many years, anything in the picture that's concerning you right now about fishing? I guess the the things, and I probably get in trouble here with this. The thing that concerns me most is people on some of these lakes that don't know anything about the environment, the ecosystem, trying to control the lake and control the weeds. Mm, um, yes. I've seen lakes. I've seen lakes where the they've sprayed so much they've killed almost every weed in the lake by overspraying, and they killed lily pads, they killed bulrushes, and everything. Now it took about ten years. The lake is back. It, it's doing very well. Um, it's south of here, a ways, a couple hours. You know, the answer is not always just dump weeds or dump chemicals into the lake to kill the weeds. It's an herbicide. It's not going to concentrate on that one weed that you're trying to kill, whether it's curly leaf pondweed or milfoil. I wish they would let the DNR just take care of it on their own. Um, that's what they do, and that's what what they're trained to do. But uh, I've seen a lot of that, and that does concern me. I watched my lake across the road from me. They had the time-release chemicals in that lake every spring for a number of years. The panfish wouldn't even come in the shallows and spawn anymore. It created just a brown slime. And any time you see decaying vegetation, it's giving off carbon dioxide. It, it was just not a good thing. Now they quit doing it, and everything's kind of back to normal after a few years. I call it the chicken little syndrome. Uh, everybody panics, and we have to, you know, they find they find an invasive species in their lake, and it's we have to do something. Well, let's just wait. Let's just step back, and let's just talk to the experts and see what the options are. That, that I guess that's my biggest concern is we just we just need we can't jump to conclusions, and you know, go in there and stomp out a fire with bare feet. Yeah, you know, it might be better to put our boots on, you know, <laughs> and grab a fire extinguisher and you know, get some help from the local fire department. But uh, there again, you know, that's my personal opinion, and well, it's... I get in trouble for, for that, but you know, it is what it is. I've seen it. I've been out there. I've seen it so many times. It does concern me. It's not the first time human beings have come up with solutions that are worse than the problems. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and there's other options out there, and I wish people would just, just weigh that out and, yeah. you know, before, before they go to the, the chemical thing. You know, growing up in farm country, I, chemicals were used on the fields all the time. I hate to see them dumped into the lakes. There's a lot of negative side effects. You sure. know, one positive and maybe 10 negatives come out of a, an application of a herbicide in a lake. So, uh, Tom, when's your next tournament? Well, actually, it's this coming Saturday up on Woman Lake. Yeah, I was up there the other day with my wife and my new puppy, and, and uh, it was tough. There again, the, the guys that fish the big tournaments will tell you the fish on the first cast is bad luck. Yeah, I made a I made a cast. Um, the bait settled to the bottom. I set the hook, and I had about a four-and-a-half-pound smallie, and... Two hours later, I caught a three-pounder, and that was it. We're going to plan B, I think. (laughs) 
Got to have a plan B. You got to have a plan yeah, B. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. MC and D and you know, <laughs> on down the line. Well, great talking to you, Tom. Anything else before we wrap it up today? No, I just, you know, thanks for the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I, I like I've told a lot of people, I've got 50 plus years of experience, you know, stuck between my ears. And I don't plan on, you know, if I, a lot of people won't share information. I, I've come to the conclusion as I got older, you know, what am I going to do? Take it to the grave. I mean, it's, I, I try to help these kids as much as I can. And I, I'm, I don't hold anything back. You know, here's the color I fish. Here's how I rig it. Here's where I throw it. You know, why not? Yes. You know, let's, let's share our knowledge instead of trying to hide it. And like we say in tournaments nowadays, there are no secrets anymore. Secret spots. There are no secret baits. You know, it's the not like you were, you said before, the knowledge is out there for everyone. You can, you can buy a map chip, put it in your graph. And we, I say that's 20 years of fishing experience in that map that you just bought. I used to carry paper maps with me. I'd leave all my gear in the boat. I'd take the paper maps in the hotel with me because I was afraid somebody would steal them. <laughs> um, you know, now, nowadays you go buy the chip and it's all there. Yeah. The detail is phenomenal. So, you know, share the information. Don't be afraid to, to help these kids out. You know, like I said, you know, what are you going to do with it? You know, keep the knowledge, take it to your grave. I just want to continue to work with the kids, work with the veterans groups, um, maybe back away a little more from the tournaments as the years go on. But I still would I would miss the camaraderie. That's that's a big part of it. Well, that's a fact. That's a fact. Tom Whitehead, great uh, angler out of the Brainerd Lakes area, talking with us today. Uh, oh, boy, really enjoyed the conversation, Tom. Thanks for taking the time today. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Anytime. Give me a call. It's another busy week on Paul Bunyan Country Out. It's going to be another busy week on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. We've got Danae Alamano of the United Way of the Bemidji area coming in to talk about the Lucan's Village Foods United Way Fishing Tournament. It is this Friday and Saturday. Still plenty of time to get registered for a very cool event with some great prizes. She'll be in for the details on that. Bruce Onspach, the Ultrami County Environmental Services AIS Tech, is in to talk zebra mussels on Big Lake. We had him in to talk about Starry Stoneworn on Pie Moosh. Now it's zebra mussels on Big. Brad Hawthorne of Garrison will be in to talk Mille Lacs Lake fishing, and Bro Brosdahl is in to talk about, well, a whole bunch of stuff like he always does. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have to say goodbye to a couple of very good friends of uh, Fish and Paul Bunyan Country and Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Retirement awaits two of our best guests, and we will hear from them in the next couple of weeks. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thank you for being here. F-I-S-H-I-I-N for Bunyan Country.